Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We the ones with the big stadium, got the big screen, big as your house. Either love us or the haters, they gon' talk about it, that'll never be no doubt. Cause we them cowboys, we them Dallas cowboys. We the ones with the owner, they got most swag, they most your team. We the ones that wanna play with when they go pro, that's most they dreams. Either love us or the haters, they gon' talk about us, that'll always be a guarantee. Cause we them cowboys, we them Dallas cowboys. Hey Cowboys fans, hope you're having a great summer so far. Maybe you're on the beach listening to us, maybe you're just driving to work. Either way, we'll get you through it here with some Cowboys discussion. Great show today, great panel for you here. I'm Kent Producing, joined by three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down the Dallas Cowboys via podcast. From The Athletic, he's been at the star watching these Cowboys. It's father. John Mashoda at John Mashoda on Twitter and back, I should say, from the Stars beat, Saad Youssef. What a great run that ended. We'll get all his thoughts on that. And of course, from the freak, from the speakeasy, listen to him in the mornings in the DFW area. It's your host, Kevin KT Fun Summer Turner. Hey, KT. Hello, Kent. Yeah, let's turn up here. End of May. We are 100 days away, as we record this, 100 days away from NFL opening night. Wow. I believe we're 66 days away from the first preseason game, because everyone loves the Hall of Fame game. And if my math's off a little bit, I apologize, but I think we're close to that, and that's the point. Now, Saad, you covered the stars real good for us. It was a good playoff run, man. But you needed 16 wins. And 10 is just not going to get it done in the playoffs. We needed 16. We needed six more. Both games and goals. Yeah. What the heck Yeah, happened? it was tough. But, but you know, like, to be honest with you, like, you know, just to make this more relevant to, to this audience, I think, I think in, first of all, it was, it was a great run, you know, whether you're a hockey fan or not. It was just a lot of fun. And this team, I wrote about it before the playoffs began, like, this team is a lot of fun. This, and, and I mean that from, like, an aesthetically – pleasing style of hockey like if you watch the stars make the same run in 2020 they went all the way to the stanley cup final it just they played a boring style of hockey and stuff but this is different so that's one thing the second thing is i think this was a great time for the stars to go on this run mavericks missed the playoffs the cowboys have a very low drama um you know off season like there's no there's no daughters coming out of the woodworks there's no like there's no like you know controversial draft pick or anything like that i feel like every and, and yeah the rangers are playing well but it, it's baseball season in, in in may in april right now so um i think this was a really good time because i'll tell you in, in at stars games there was a lot more during the season the the crowd is decked out in stars gear during the playoffs there was a lot more cowboys jerseys mavericks jerseys because uh, like you know a lot of new fans who are getting 
to watch the stars for the first time or whatever. And honestly, like you could see that a little bit because, you know, fans cross over like that where, you know, they'll wear, wear one team's jersey to another team's game. It's Dallas. But I saw a lot of Cowboys hats, a lot of Cowboys jerseys. I, and I think, you know, in general, it, it was good for, for all that. Yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, it was fun, right? We all enjoy it. And to get to the Final Four, that's cool. Better to make the playoffs than not make the playoffs, Mavericks. Um, Rangers have, like, their best start in franchise history. And we sit here with the Cowboys team, who, like, it does feel like they're kind of close. Like, maybe. Um, But I think if you asked a Cowboys fan on the street, John, hey, what's your confidence of this team getting it done in January? I don't know that they would, like, give you, like, great vibes now. Just because there's just a put up or shut up type mode happening. Now John's been covering rookie OTAs. We had the schedule release. This is more of kind of a month of May recap. We took our foot off the gas for a little bit. Uh, you've been around the team for a little bit, John. How, how are things feeling now? Mike McCarthy's head honcho, both hands on the wheel of the ship. It seems. All right, first take I got here. Um, watching that stars run <laughs> just had me thinking about. Can you just imagine if Dak like just committed some stupid penalty within the first few minutes of the wild card round? Cooper Rush comes in, leads them to victory. Dak is also suspended the next game. Cooper Rush leads them to the NFC Championship game, which they haven't been since 1995. Dak is ba- able to come back for the NFC Championship game. Cowboys are the favorites. They get their doors blown off. Like just how a nauseating that entire off season would be like the whole, like I, I'm a, if, if you're a Cowboys fan, you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, so Jamie Ben is the captain of the stars committed a stupid penalty, you know, missed, missed a couple games and they played some of their best games without him. But um, it just, it would be so wild if that happened from a Cowboys perspective, just because they haven't been able to get the NFC championship game. And if they finally did and Cooper Rush is the one that led them there. And then Dak comes back and everyone's like, here we go. It's finally going to happen. And then they get their doors blown off. This entire offseason would not only be nauseating from a Cowboys <laughs> fan standpoint, it would be a like a, one of the biggest stories in all of sports. Yeah, no, I agree. No, it's like uh, we had to I, put it in. Uh, I don't know who the – it tells me it can't be Dak, right? It can't be Dak, but like what is the other player on the Cowboys team that's the equivalent of Jamie? What Martin? if Dak threw like multiple interceptions Man. in that game? I, and like, I, I feel like it has to be Dak because it's the captain and then the fact of it works with Dak too because they won without Jamie Ben. And there are Cowboys fans that obviously yeah. saw the Cowboys win without Dak last year <laughs> with Cooper Rush. That's why I'm saying that you can get that same exact thing okay. where people would be like, well, maybe they are better off with Rush. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree, I agree with that. And I, I also agree with that because because another thing is that Jamie Ben's not their best player and Dak is not the Cowboys' best player, right? Like you have Micah Parsons and, you know, there, there there's other young guys who, who you would consider as a better overall player, um, you know, in a vacuum. Dak is up there. Jamie Ben is up there. He's, he's one of their better players. But he's not Miro Haskinen, like best player, the same way that, you know, Micah Parsons is considered the best player in Dallas. So um, I agree. I think it's a pretty good comparison. And and, and that would be just the craziest offseason in, in the world if that ever happened. I know we're coming off a bad season with Dak, but a lot of the lists are getting put out now. You know, best quarterbacks in the league going into the season. A lot of love for Dak right now on Twitter. A lot of film getting put out there like, hey... 
I know, I know there's some negativity around Dak, but like the, there's a huge discrepancy between the people that watch tape and the fans on Dak. Well, yeah. And then the other thing that helps is that, you know, with Rogers leaving, you just look across the landscape of the NFC and you can put him in that conversation with whoever is the best, best quarterback in the entire conference. And so, and if you have the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, then you got a good chance of making a run in January. And certainly that's, that's where it fits with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, his interception number, you know, having the 15, the career high leading the league last year, that one isn't as alarming to me as just like the way he played in late in that game against San Francisco, where they were still in the game and some of the mistakes he made there. I think those are a bigger concern, but I will say, you know, KT asked about, you know, being at OTAs and that, and, you know, one of the, we got a chance to talk to Dak. So this was last Thursday and it was interesting how defensive he got about when he was asked specifically about Mike McCarthy saying that him and Dak have went back and watched all of his interceptions. It's just very clear. Dak does not want to talk about these interceptions anymore. And uh, he's not going to, he's not the type of guy that's going to throw his like teammates under the bus. I'm like, well, let's break all 15 down and we can point the blame. He's never going to do that. So he just has to wear it. It's a stat that the quarterbacks have to have to wear. But I mean, that's the, to me, that's like the biggest thing that when you go into this season with Mike McCarthy, now calling plays, you, you have to eliminate those, uh, at least get them reduced. And, and to be fair, it's not like this has been an issue in Dak's career before, but my big thing is as I go into OTAs, I think in, as most people follow the Cowboys, it's kind of like, well, what is McCarthy going to do to help, you know, be better and, 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 and help Dak to be better. And so, you know, you're not getting a ton out of OTAs watching this. They're doing seven on sevens, a lot of individual things and that, but the one thing, like when you take away from what Dak had talked about with the offense and that, you know, he mentioned about, how quick the guys are and, and how clean the guys have been early in, in OTAs with, Hey, if the first and second read aren't there getting out of it and getting to the scramble drill rules. And I think that's interesting because talking to people that know the West coast offense, they have mentioned the fact of how, what this could be is a lot less options for Dak. It's this isn't there. Go to this. If that's not there, then we break off and we go, there's not, you know, you're not trying to get your fourth, fifth option. You know, it's trying to make it more comfortable for him but we just won't know for sure until we actually like see this go on uh, probably not until week one. Cause it's not like he's going to play in the preseason games and you're only going to get so much out of training camp and it's still up in the air right now. If they're going to practice against another team, that would be nice to see. Um, they haven't ruled it out, but they haven't, there's nothing set in stone yet either. I think, I, I think with Dax things like it, it's also, you know, you can't just go back and watch the interceptions alone because for example, you go back to that Jacksonville game in overtime. You know, I don't really have a problem with with Dak's pass too much in that situation. But to me, one of his worst plays of the season was at the end of that San Francisco game where it didn't get intercepted, but it should have been a pick six, right? So I think I think it's it's more about the overall decision making. And and look, Mike McCarthy, he's he's played with someone. I, I swear, you know, growing up watching like you know Aaron Rodgers and and watching all all those games on TV you'd see this stat like there was a stat where he hadn't thrown an interception at home in like two years or something like that it was, it was wild yeah, crazy and, and, at, <laughs> and at the same time the guy that that his predecessor who mike mccarthy also coached those interceptions out you know wherever so i think mike mccarthy has kind of seen both ends of the spectrum of a guy who obviously rogers is also just a different talent but and I don't think Dak Prescott is gunslinger Brett Favre. I think Romo was more that way. But but still, I think Mike McCarthy has kind of seen both ends of the spectrum, and I think that should help 
in when he's kind of like, you know, coaching, coaching Dak up to be a little bit smarter, a little bit better in those situations. Yeah. And I don't know, like, so we've talked about this a lot and you have to go back to their archives and maybe restate opinions or whatever. Like I, I understand why the Cowboys did what they did and why Kellen had to go. I think I probably disagree with that, but I also am cool. Like I didn't lose any sleep over it because I understand it's probably going to be better for Kellen, at least to get out of here. I don't know if it'll be better for the Cowboys. I wonder how much Schottenheimer is going to have. Um, I don't know, John, did you get a chance to talk to him or what? Do you think this is going to be – there's a lot of just like, oh, it's McCarthy's offense now. But I wonder how much, say, Schottenheimer will have. Do you have any read on that? Yeah, so we got a chance to talk to him for the first time uh, since he became hired as the offensive coordinator. Uh, that was at rookie minicamp. We talked to him after that practice was over. And I would say my biggest takeaways from talking to him is that it really isn't we're trying to break this all down and just build something new West coast offense. It's really to try and build off of what they've had. Um, and he pointed out how there was a lot of good and how he, you know, he's worked with a lot of those offensive coaches that were on the staff last year. And obviously a lot of them are still there. So uh, he has a lot of faith in what they're doing. They're just going to, you know, adjust some things. He obviously is not going to get in those specifics of what they're adjusting, but I don't get the sense that he's going to be the one that's implementing this offense. You know, I mean, that's Mike McCarthy's thing has always been, you know, if you call it, you install it. And he always said that throughout the entire time with, with Kellen. And so why would he change now? And so he's already been talking about how much more time, you know, it's taken up for him, uh, you know, now being in the meeting rooms with Dak a lot more often, you know, designing and calling things that, that he thinks will work well. Now, obviously you're adding another piece in there with Brandon cooks that they didn't have before. So that'll add some, some different wrinkles. You obviously don't have Dalton Schultz and Ezekiel Elliott. So you subtract that that's going to add some different wrinkles. Uh, there's some moving pieces, obviously in the offensive line, that's going to add some changes. So it's not like the, um, you know, high school, Hey, this is how, this is the offense we run at this school and you got to adapt to it. It's like, they have to adapt to what, is going to be best for this particular team. And I just don't know that we're going to know a ton about that until we get to at least Oxnard, because you are talking about a head coach that these last two years has been fined significantly because of too much contact during OTAs and minicamp. And so that's rolled itself over to where it is a lot of, you know, jog through, you know, you're not going full speed, things like that. Like the highlight of last week's OTAs was this 40, 45 yard bomb, Will Greer threw to Deuce Vaughn and Deuce Vaughn had to come back and like catch it. And, and I mean, Deuce Vaughn's a little guy and to see him kind of adjust in the air to like make this catch, it was outstanding. But at the same time, they don't have pads on and the DB that was by him just kind of put his hand up. Like you were just kind of going through the, he's not really trying to like intercept the pass or whatever. So it's hard to read too much into that. There's a lot of people that are going to see that because it was something that was widely reported for practice was over and be like, Deuce Vaughn deep threat. And it's like, I, maybe he is, but just off seeing that play, I can't, I'm not going to determine that. One thing I did want to point out, though, because Saad mentioned this on the Brett Favre thing, and I don't think we've ever talked about it. And I think, you know, KT, you're a good person to talk to about this because of, you know, your background of following the Packers. So 2005 was Mike Sherman's last year as coach and Favre threw 29 interceptions that year. So Mike McCarthy takes over in 2006 and Favre, it goes from 29 down to 18. And then the next year, which was, you know, um, McCarthy's second year in Green Bay, and it, it was Favre's last year working with him. 
those interceptions then went from 18 down to 15. So maybe there's something there. Hey, maybe there's not. You know, same thing with the Schottenheimer thing. You look back, obviously, as we sit here today, one of the most made up, made fun of quarterbacks or players in sports right now, I feel like, is Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson played some of his best ball when 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 Brian Schottenheimer was calling the offense. So maybe there's something there. Maybe this is going to be even more quarterback friendly. Maybe this leads to Dak having, you know, a career year. It, it might. But again, I just think that there's a lot we still have to see before we get to week one. The, the good news is, though, is that you're playing with a defense that is elite and gives you a, a considerable margin for error because of the fact that they should be able to lock down some teams with with all the weapons they have on that side of the ball. Yeah, it's, it's strange, too, coming off the draft where, you know, it's like the, their draft was very um, intentional, it seemed. Very like, hey, there's some things that we want here. Defensive tackle definitely being one of those. Had a feeling they were going to get a tight end, whether it's who anyone wanted there. I still keep going back to offensive line, and that's my biggest question about the offense moving forward. Can you tell me what they were running out there? I know it kind of doesn't matter at OTAs, but just what were they running out there just to, just so we can cover it? So Zach Martin didn't participate on the day we were there. He was at the facility. He was in, uh, he was, he just wasn't out participating. There were a few other players that weren't Trayvon Diggs was one, which obviously when you tweet that out, everyone jumps to the, well, he's just holding out for the contract type thing. Um, Demarcus Lawrence was another guy that did not participate. I'm trying to think who else, uh, Dante Fowler. And, uh, I believe there was one more. Uh, Malik Hooker. So when you don't have a Zach Martin out there, that's obviously going to change some stuff up. And so it was interesting to see that at right guard in his place was Matt Willetsko. And then at left guard, which is the big question mark spot on the Cowboys offensive line, it was Josh Ball. And so when people see that, you know, they're like, well, where's Chuma Adoga? This is the guy they added in the offseason. He's supposed to be the guy that is going to get a good chance to win that starting left guard job. He did work in with the first team as well at left guard. I think they just wanted to start with some guys that have already been in the, you know, the organization have been around kind of want to go in this, the direction that they know as hey, this is the way we're doing practice. Cause that's really what this OTAs is about getting everybody on the same page so that when you do get to training camp, there isn't any questions about how they're going to be running practice and doing things and they can, you know, be very effective and efficient. And so, um, and as I know some fans don't want to hear, but Tyler Smith was was only at left tackle. There was no left guard reps for Tyler Smith. Uh, Tyron Smith was only at right tackle, you know, and so that's another one. I know, you know, some Cowboys fans and and I understand that believe, hey, your best five is Tyron at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard. I can't I can't argue with that. If that's the, what they end up going with, I do think that that could be your best five. But, you know, when the drill started and they went out there and they had their, you know, first five out there. Tyler Smith was at left tackle. Tyron Smith was at right tackle. So read into that however you might. Uh, obviously, the coaches and everybody know that we're going to be reporting on this stuff. So it's nothing you know set in stone or anything like that. But I know that that is those that is a position that a lot of people have had their eyes on. So yeah, that was that was one takeaway from when 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 everything started. Now when. Uh... The, what's that? the other thing it says, like, I don't really worry Hold too on, much let about guys. Up, let me back up. Let me back yeah. up. Yeah. It was Matt Farniak at left guard. My bad. Farniak. Josh Dude, Ball get... was at right guard. Matt Farniak was at left guard. Tyler Smith was at left tackle. Tyron Smith was at right tackle. So 
It goes Tyler Smith, Matt Farniak, Biotish, Josh Ball, Tyron Smith. Also then working with the first group behind them, Chuma Doga then came in at left guard. And then uh, Matt Willetsko worked at uh, right tackle. So those were kind of your core seven guys that were out. But again, when Zach Martin comes out there, he's your right guard. So I just look at left guard as they're really trying to just leave it up to a competition and they really want to keep Tyler Smith at left tackle. So, you know, Terrence Steele was out there like in yeah. Jersey and that, but he wasn't actually doing anything. He's still a little bit ways away. Whereas, you know, him and Tony Pollard are the key guys to keep an eye on Pollard was out there and participating in some walk, walk through things. So like you go through all that and I'm never one of those guys who um, really cares about um, like who's there at OTAs unless it's like, you know, you want your quarterback to be there. Great. You got new offense, things like that. But like you said, the half-speed stuff, I'm like, dude, if Zach Martin needs to miss that, he's going to miss half-speed stuff. I don't really care. Did Marcus Lawrence miss that? I don't really care. I am curious about kicker. Man, when, when Brandon McManus got released from Denver the other day, I was like, hey, there's one. There's someone that we know that we've heard of. Uh, I know it's strange that we're doing this again. We're going to go into camp not knowing who the kicker is, aren't we? No, I think we'll go into camp with two kickers that will, and we'll know that whoever the one is that they sign is probably your favorite. I keep, I keep leaning towards Robbie Gold. There's a part of me that also wonders if some one of those guys, like a Gold or Mason Crosby or one of those veteran type guys like that, if there isn't already something where they've already talked to him, like, hey, you know, whenever you guys are ready, I'm, I'm ready to contribute. Whatever, I'm a veteran. I don't need to necessarily be there. Whatever. I just find it hard to believe that they're going into the season like, no, we're going to go with Tristan Viscano, you know, and it is Viscano. It's not Viscano. So make sure you get that right. It's very important. Like, I agree with you. That does sound insane to do that, but it does kind of match up with how they've operated a little bit. Yeah. In the past. I just, I mean, dude, Garibay, man, come on. Yeah. I mean, Garibay <laughs> and then, the, then going back to Maher, you know, I mean, we didn't expect that to happen at this time last year. There's no way at this time last year you thought Maher would be their kicker all season no. long, you know? So I don't know. I don't love it. I would rather know who my kicker is and it'd be someone that you can really count on, you know? And uh, they clearly don't have that right now, but we'll see. Maybe they feel good about Robbie Gold, you know, coming and kicking inside after he spent most of his career outside. There's such a fine line between the Colts giving Matt Gay a, you know, big four-year contract or – you know, just going to camp with like guys that we don't know much about. And I would just like to get in the middle of that because I don't think you need to be giving out long contracts. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you uh, kickers were going to spend a bunch of money. My God, when the McManus release happened, I was like, hey, we have him. I didn't even think about Mason Crosby. It's interesting. Everything from 50 plus is going to be, which he's been good at, but it's like, you were getting to the point where how much strength is left in that leg and maybe the same with Robbie Gould there um, as well. Man, and the new kickoff rule is interesting. I mean, how will that affect Kevontae Turpin? You need a guy who can get it, you know, to the back of the end zone and let's just, you know, get touchbacks and not have to worry about covering. We've seen the Cowboys have some explosive plays that have helped, you know, flip the field and change, change games you, to use that as uh, to your advantage. He, you think he, Turpin will be on the team next year? As in the two, 2023 season? Yeah. Yeah. I I do. One more you year. You think he'll make probably. it through camp? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they would – I mean, I can see them giving some opportunities to Deuce Vaughn to return some stuff, but I don't 
I don't think that they would go all the way over to that level yet. I think that I think as long as Turpin keeps doing everything uh, the right way and uh, continues to show the kind of juice that he showed last year in training camp and in preseason, then I, yeah, I just think that they'll look at him as kind of a weapon um, where, yeah, these new kickoff rules are certainly, I hate it. Yeah. I hate eliminating rule. that. Now he did tell, he did tell the Cowboys website that uh, he told Patrick Walker at DallasCowboys.com that he's returning. He's not fair catching anything. And while that sounds aggressive and fun and everything like that, that also sounds like the recipe for some, maybe starting some drives off at the six and you really don't want that either. So um, we had that last year. Yeah. Like, I don't really love that. I think we, I think everyone remembers the preseason Cavante Turpin. They remember some good things. Maybe they remember him taking kind of a bad angle in the 49ers yeah. game. Yeah. But let's talk about the back half of the season. No, let's not talk, spend a lot of time on it, but the back half of the season, there were a lot of questionable punt uh, return decisions that put the team in a little bit of a bind. And you know, it's those are little things like that that are easy to forget. And you know, it was his first year doing it. And we can hope that he gets better, but there's a little bit of concern there. I would say, uh, yeah. It's just me. I, but let's I, get I would have. Let's I would have more here. Yeah, I have a little bit more concern on the running back situation, and and then how you're going to implement uh, Deuce Vaughn or Cavante Turpin these guys into the offense more than I am that uh, that concerned about the special teams. You know, that's what I want to see. Like, how are you going to get these? other weapons involved that because you got a lot of question marks in your on your offense whether it's your running backs behind tony pollard and or it's your wide receivers behind your starting three there's just a lot that you really don't know for sure what you have there so I, that stuff is a little bit more and then obviously the offensive line specifically at left guard that stuff is all above for me concern or interest uh than whatever anything on special teams kicker included Ronald Jones, Malik Davis, what do you, what are we thinking there? Malik Davis took the uh, well. So Tony Pollard was out there taking the reps with the ones, and then after that, it was uh, Malik Davis was going first with an uh, Ronald Jones behind him, and then Deuce Vaughn. That was kind of the order they were going in. But uh, I mean, I could see all four of those guys being on the roster, but I don't mm-hmm. know, man. I just. I understand that a lot of people want to move on from Zeke and I, and I do believe that that was the right decision, but I just don't look at their running back room and say, Oh yeah, no, they're good now that that's the, everything's fine. They got everything they need. Well, they're going to wear Tony out. Like they're going to just use him up. Now are we talking hundred percent by the time the season starts? Or are we talking hundred percent by the time training camp starts? Um, I mean to see him out there already, I would think he's going to be pretty close to full go to start training camp. But again, he's not a guy that's going to do anything in the preseason. My only thing about them, you know, giving him a lot more is then what Tony Pollard are you getting in January? I mean, this isn't like some rebuild here. Like you're, you're, you're totally everything about this season, everything about March, you know, trading for cooks, trading for Gilmore. It's to try and make a run this year. Do you really care about, well, we got to get Tony Pollard 25 carries in the Eagles game this year. No, you'd like Tony Pollard to be able to get 25 carries in January in like the divisional round game. So that's my, yeah. So that's where I'm kind of like, yeah, I I mean, I think he can handle a bigger workload, but how much, how much is that bigger workload going to factor in later in the year? You're trying to get him a rushing title, trying to get a little little something to put up on his mantle. That's cool and all, but I thought that the whole goal is to win the whole thing. And to me, having Tony Pollard is close to hundred percent. That's why they had the split and carries with Zeke during the regular season last year. That made sense to me. I mean, you know, they might've beat the 49ers if he doesn't get hurt in that game. So I don't know, man. Uh, the Zeke's still available. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that you got to go back and go get Zeke. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would think that you should try and get another veteran, like physical runner that can wear some of that load. You know, I mean, maybe that's Ronald Jones. Maybe it's Malik Davis. Maybe they hold up and everything's great. And we'll look back at this and be like, why would we ever even question it? But I, I have questions right now. I do feel like Ronald Jones, you know, can can fill that role though. When he played in Tampa, sometimes the way that he would run the ball made me feel like I was watching like Legarrette Blunt, you know, because Legarrette Blunt was in Tampa before. It, it had some similar vibe to that. Like I don't know how much wear and tear, you know, his body can take or what, but or how much the, the Cowboys are even going to have that as part of their offense. But whatever it is, I, I feel like Ronald Jones is capable of at least doing a spot duty of that. It, to me, it's more about how how much how much in the offense are you really going to you know kind of split that? Like going back to you know college USC days, if you're looking at Reggie Bush and Lendell White and like you know the the split of the workload and roles and things like that, that's a lot different than you know even come back to like the NFL, like Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Like there were there were different guys that had more of a fifty fifty load versus like hey, you're just going to come in for these situations and do that. And I think depending on how the Cowboys offense operates, I think that that brings a different element to it. Yeah. The red zone is going to be real interesting to me because right. that exactly. looks like a good, good spot where, you know, you would, you know, that, Hey, Zeke Dalton Schultz, guys like that are going to get some touches there. They've been around deck, they've been around the offense, you know what they can do now this year, like, you know, week one, they get in the red zone, you know, Jake Ferguson, Hendershot, Schoonmaker, you know, who, what, 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 what's going to be the go-to thing there? Is it handing it to Tony Pollard on the goal line? Is that going to work? Are they bringing in a, a fullback, you know, like there's just a lot more questions in that area of the game. And maybe that's a good thing, you know, maybe that throws off some of the trends that some of the teams like in the division are used to seeing from the Cowboys. You don't know what to expect as much now. Maybe that helps out. I don't know, but there are certainly some question marks there. And I look at their offense and it wasn't like it was a bad one these last couple of years, you know, so I yeah, don't know. Yeah. We'll, we will see. I would like to believe that we lived in a world where egos were put aside and personal relationships and emotions were put aside for the sake of business. And if they truly felt that Zeke was an upgrade over Malik Davis and Ronald Jones, that Zeke could be here and not have any problem with getting legitimately three or four carries a game. And it made everyone happy, and he's back in the locker room, and we're good, but there's no need. And it's just not possible. It's just not possible. It's not a realistic view of the world. Um, and also, I don't I don't know that Zeke's better than Ronald Jones or Malik Davis, by the way. I'm just saying, if uh, there's been a lot of talk. I saw in your story, John, like McCarthy's talking about, look how Zeke popped off the tape on goal line tape that they watched. It's like, okay, cool. You know, a lot of running backs jump off the tape on goal line tape, right? I mean, so it's, it's, it's like strange. Like we're still like these fond words and there he's out there without a job. And I'm like, I'd like to feel like he could be here. Uh, but it's just not, just not practical. And you no, know, the way it's going to be. Wasn't there a coach or somebody that told Zeke, if you want to play, you're going to have to play for the minimum. I, I didn't, didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see but that. That's I thought I saw that, true. that out there somewhere that said, like, if he wants to play, he's going to have to play for the minimum because that's just what the price is for what he brings. Yeah, I mean, know? I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. I, well, obviously, him and his his uh, agents and that don't feel that way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, clearly, if there was a big market for him, he'd be signed already. So, no, that wouldn't surprise me. But I just don't see him taking that minimum if he ends up playing for that with, with the Dallas Cowboys. 
I just think it would like sign with another team. I'd like to see him pop on with someone, maybe someone that's on the schedule. Yeah. You know, that'd be fun. Um, but I think the Chargers and the Bucks were kind of two teams that kind of made sense. And I'm just not sure that I can even, like, off the top of my head, just come up with a team that's like, oh, this makes sense. And I mean, this hey, be the one. I mean, I don't think this is the most likely path, but who's to rule out one of those things where he doesn't play for a team during training camp and even at the start of the season? and kind of plays it out until like one of these top teams has a running back go down yeah. or they really need, that's the missing pieces in the running game. And then he joins like, I don't know, like the Bengals or the bills or something like that. And he ends up being like a really, you know, it ends up being, he ends up being Leonard Fournette for the, that bucks team that won the super bowl where you're just like, Whoa, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Playoff Lenny, you know? So I don't know. <laughs> Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, so I obviously worth what three weeks? I mean, three weeks past the schedule coming out. A couple things that uh, might have caught your eye, John. Something that kind of really maybe you're kind of circling and, and kind of looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to Buffalo. I can tell you that. And it was funny. That's I asked Stephen Jones. Great. I asked Stephen Jones about when the schedule came out. What was like the first like group of games or games instead? He goes, "Oh no, that Buffalo game for sure." And, I mean, no one's looking forward to going there. Uh, at the end of the season. So uh, that was Miami the, the next week, though. It's a trade off. It is a trade off, but that is also uh, Christmas Eve. So um, a little bit of traveling there for the players around the holidays. So um, I don't know that that whole little stretch right there is probably the thing that stood out to me most because it's late in the season. And in there, you're, you got four, you know, pretty good teams right there that you're going to be playing all in a row uh, with Detroit, um, the Dolphins, uh, the Bills, and I believe the Eagles started off. Am I right on that? Uh, the Eagles do start it off, yeah. yeah. December 10th. That's a, that's a tough the, stretch the, right there. The Week 18 game is in Washington, yeah, uh, which is technically January. Yeah, that December stretch is tough. Um, you know, and then, I, yeah, and then you end with that Washington game where, yes, normally you look at that like, oh, yeah, well, they can, they can take care of business there. But then you look at last year when they ended the season at Washington and played one of the worst games I've ever seen the Cowboys play, so. Yeah, Washington's weird. I have a hard time getting my head around them being any good, but yeah, you know, it's if they, if they're serious about trying to run Sam Howell out there, that's cool. <laughs> have fun, man. If they're going to run Jacoby Brissett out there, I mean, that's cool. Uh, 
but it's not like there's a lot of you know quarterbacks just kind of sitting there going, "Hey, pick me, pick me." It's all kind of happened. But there are you know two two uh, Washington games on the back half of the season, and Washington I would say is probably your favorite to be last place in the division. Clearly, so yeah, for sure, that's helpful. We'll see what kind of jump the Panthers make. Hard to see them. I mean, they were competitive last year to an extent, but hard to see that. So you got them on the back end as well to kind of even things out. Uh, for me, um, it's the stretch that I, I I really love the most right here is let's see, it's week one, two, it's week five and six. Um, where you have at San Francisco on Sunday night, and then the game maybe I'm looking forward to the most. It's Mike McCarthy Monday night get, taking on Kellen Moore. Cowboys and Chargers. And it's weird for it to be a different conference. Monday night football. And honestly, whoever scores the most points, they were right. That is the more uh, <laughs> the better offense. champion. <laughs> yeah, better offense. That, and we'll know. Well, no, all this debate and, and, and discourse in the offseason, we will know based on what happens in that one game because that's how sports works. I'll tell you who's really that's looking not. forward to that Chargers game. That's the Dallas Cowboys social media team. I don't know if you <laughs> saw the schedule release that the Chargers put out, but when they did the Cowboys, they basically did like a cartoon Fair. of like a bus running over like Dak, like from the way the season ended and then the – tweet headline that they put on their story about you know Dak giving the game away type thing which from everything I've heard didn't really sit well with the number four camp and others involved in the organization so so to see the Chargers bring that back up I don't I don't think the Cowboys were thrilled about that well I'll say and I love uh, my friends over at DallasCowboys.com like we all do I ain't messing with the Chargers social media team <laughs> that is a group of people who I would That's not a super team. mess around with. <laughs> they keep it real. And yeah. I'm just like, you know what? I applaud you. Good luck in the AFC West. You know, like I'm I am not like you. I'm choosing my battles. Dude, me and the Broncos social media team, we can have at it all day. I am not going after the Chargers social media team. I feel like they got dirt on everybody. They're ready. They're ready. And they're for so action. good. They're their their implementation and skill is so good. I feel like they they hold the banner of all the schedule. Yeah, there are certain teams, and um, I used to work at Cowboys.com, by the way. So, just full disclosure there, um, mm-hmm. that can get away with that stuff. But our attitude at with the Cowboys social was always like the Cowboys might have all those ideas in the world, but like the brand is that's not the brand. Yeah, like and it's also ribbing other teams, right? And, and 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 it's also a thing where, like, you know, for example, the stars, the, their social media team always ribs the other team after every single mm. time they win. Um, but but going back to the Cowboys, not every single. So, and I know we're talking social media, but but you know, as Kent mentioned, he was at dot com overall. You look at dot com overall. I, I think the Cowboys. I, John and I have talked about this before. I, I don't know that this holds true anymore to where you have a lot of guys being super critical and stuff necessarily all the time, but, but back in the Hellman and Rob Phillips and, and, you know, those days, like DallasCowboys.com was, was, you know, they, they had full, whatever, full leash, whatever they wanted to do. And a lot of teams around the league don't have that sort of freedom where you can really be like, you know, do say whatever you want, as long as it's like, you know, not, you know, whatever it's, it's not completely out of bounds. 
But yeah, I think I think there's different flavors for every team, and that's just what the Chargers do. The Cowboys reporters, to their credit, Nick and all those guys over there, Hellman and Rob, while they were there, they they covered the team like like John would cover them, like Clarence oh, yeah. would cover them. You know, I mean, they don't hold back on on a lot of as stuff. as much as they and, possibly could. Yeah, I think there so were when little the, things. The, yeah. the, eyes are so much greater on them in the playoffs and they tweet something like like that like they tweet tweeted stuff stories out all the time during the season about Dak could have been better in this game and he wasn't you know that kind of stuff i will say this though if you read that story that story isn't as aggressive as that headline is you know this is the business i'm in believe me anybody any of these any (laughs) any of these players that want to come at me and be like you've never played the game tip my cap what we're talking about right now that's John showed his game. And I'll tell you this right now. You read that story, it does not match up with a headline that you tweet out that says, Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers. In a matchup, the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds. I mean, from a team account, that is pretty that is pretty aggressive. And I and I like it. I'm not again. I mean, heck, I I think it's great that they do that. I'm just saying that I I understand where you're coming from, Kent, when you say like, yeah, they hold themselves that like they have to hold themselves in a higher standard. First of all, they have so many more followers than all the others, but yes. they also uh, do. Yeah. They also do send out things like that. Where let's be honest, if they they never even deleted that either, you know, I mean that's still up right, there, right? Because so. that's been, I'll I'll defend them like that's they've been like that for years. Yeah, like, it's great. Literally since Jerry started the website, he said, "Say exactly what the talk radio in Dallas says about me on the website." Right. He's like, "Cause we're competing with them. If 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 y'all aren't going to say it, they will." You know. So that was always the attitude and. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame them for not deleting it because yeah. they probably approved it with multiple people in the organization yeah. before it went out. So, so you mean more along the lines of like taking shots at other teams? I mean more along the lines of like we would come up with crazy ideas for videos. Yeah. Oh, what if we did this? I remember when the the, the Browns had that like Jeepo de wound thing go wrong. Remember? Uh, no. Where they like their fans had this sign that was supposed to say dog I, pound, but it was honestly, backwards. Honestly, didn't remember that said, they had a team. Sorry, what? <laughs> and we and I remember we 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 had a like big, when Bernie Kosar was there. This was in 2016. Oh, okay, my bad. Uh, I oh. think uh, I think it was that year we went to Cleveland. I just remember we were thinking like, oh, what can we do if we win? And we were gonna, you know, do something about the Jeepo de wound. Like got out of the Jeepo de wound unscathed instead of the dog pound, you know. And oh, okay. we didn't want to like make fun of them, you know. Yeah. Um and I get it was it. just one of those things. And that's that's just kind of the the attitude of the social media is like it's it's more like a news organization and um, you know, kind of like the Dallas Morning News would operate than like a social media person would operate, if that makes sense. Right. Let me let me also put it to you this way on the whole the DAC thing too. I've had people that work for other sports organizations that might not have the Cowboys, let's say fan base, but they have some pretty big fan bases. And when I've talked to those people within the last few months, without even bringing it up, they have brought that up to me about that tweet that went out. They're like, man, can you believe the team's website wrote that thing about Dak? I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, man, that's the way they're not like the other like websites. Like they'll sit there and they'll be aggressive against this stuff like that. So it's not like this is just like a local thing that it was a big deal or anything. Like there was a lot of people there were a lot of people that really opened their eyes. They're like, wow, I can't believe they did that. Remember Rob Phillips, uh, was, had left the, I left cowboys.com for a few years and came back in like 2014 or something like that. 15, maybe it was right after DeMarco Murray left 
And like Rob's first story on Cowboys.com, it was a point counterpoint. Hellman's point was they should not pursue Adrian Peterson. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> and Rob's was they should pursue Adrian Peterson. And they had two columns on the website on here's why, here's why they shouldn't. They, the, the aggregation on Rob saying they should go pursue Adrian Peterson was like insane. It was headlining Sports Center. It was like, nuts it was like tampering is this tampering he was so effing nervous like his well, first call him back was like oh my god like and I, I think shaking the storm up already and it i was, think that was there was pro football talk or somebody that you know stepped in there and threw some gas on that fire much like with the dak tweet thing too yes uh and that takes it to another level because then they write it from a perspective of well this is a team website aren't they supposed to be whatever and and raise that whole tampering thing i remember when that happened because it it's, it, it really raised everyone's eyes to like on a team website, like you really can't talk about a player that's on another team because it can be, deter- it can be looked at as, as if it's tampering, yeah. but the Cowboys website is not trying to be like, you know, your typical team website. And so yeah. because of that, if they beat the chargers, I think they're going to come at, they're going to come at the chargers <laughs> pretty strong on their social media site. I just, I got a feeling on this. Dan, the chargers, uh, they just own that schedule release, man. That's like really crazy. I'm, I loved it. I I would I would say that, that again. I would say that me again next year. I would say that five dollar video it took to film for the uh, Tennessee Titans. Oh, that was fun. The day for me, Titans was good too. Um, I the Titans one was was probably yeah top three for sure. Uh, I think I don't know that that another one really jumps out at me. Um, yeah, and I watched pretty much all of them. And God, there were some bad ones. Um, oh, did you like the Yellowstone Cowboys one? See, I think they missed the boat by like a year on Yellowstone. Because Yellowstone, a lot of people had soured on it. They realized once the show kind of gets to season five, if you're not really reinventing yourselves over and over and over. And then the spinoffs oversaturated the Yellowstone market. So when you're making Yellowstone 1921 and Yellowstone 1883 and Yellowstone 1714, people are like, that's a lot. That's what kind of what's happened a little bit with Star Wars, like Star Wars people will still like love it and be into it, but the mass appeal goes away because it's all too much at once. So you wanted so them to do, bo- you wanted them year. to do succession. Uh, oh, that now that would have been Jones timely. Perfect. <laughs> Jerry, Charlotte, Jerry, Jerry Jr. That might've yeah. crossed some lines though. Both are perfect. Like, like succession is the Jones family. Even though it's not about them, but it is. If you, dude, just I can't watch around. the show without thinking of the Jones family. I Every can't time I, I'm watching Shiv, I'm like thinking of Charlotte. You know, I'm like, me too. <laughs> this is crazy. Me too. And you know what's wild? Well, spoilers and all that. So I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not don't do spoil that. it. It's still kind of new out there. We. It is wild yeah. how it ends. You got to use your imagination. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We'll talk off the air. Um, but they could have done Barry too on HBO. Just made it Jerry. I think it all comes to that they had a connection with the guy at Yellowstone. So that's why, you know, just like, you know, you know, there's a reason that they had Post Malone. There's a connection there. You know, they didn't, you know, they didn't get. I want to see, you know how they had Post Malone doing beer pong. I want to see Jerry hanging out with Willie Nelson in his tour bus, smoking some doobies. God, that'd be so rad. Okay. That'd be Jerry, Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson. Just getting lit. And Don Nelson. 
The Cowboys website, though, sets the bar pretty high with all that stuff. So you, you're a lot more critical, like you're expecting it to be really good. Where like no one's expecting much out of Tennessee, whether you're talking about the team on the field or the social media oh, side yeah. of it. So when they do something so simple like that, and it's just so like perfect because it's so relatable. And I don't know. I did, that was my favorite one. Yeah, no, that was it was. Uh, and it was like the thing of Angel, like Bachelorette weekend and all that stuff yeah. in Nashville, too, which is really good. Actually, my favorite part about it is something that we never even got to see. And it was the idea of like thinking like it's not like they went up to like eight people. Boom, boom, boom. Got what they needed and left. There were obviously a lot of people they talked to that knew stuff and they had to be like, stop asking questions. They know this. We're not using this next person. You know, like they probably sit out there for two hours. Absolutely. You know, that's it. And then edited it in 25 minutes. It was great. Dang it. This person knows their logos. Move on. Yeah. (laughs) Move on. Next person. I like to on the and I'm not I'm sorry to do this, but uh, David Bakhtiari of the Packers was like calling out the Packers schedule release video for how bad it was. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Get the players and they're like, hey man, we lost my my buddy, the quarterback. You traded him, and also uh, do better. <laughs> Shout out fun. to friend of the show uh, Ed Cahill over at the Falcons organization for changing their uh, didn't they change their social media team name to like the what was it? Uh, I forgot what it, whatever the Titans fan called their whatever team. The, the chickens or something. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, they jumped on that immediately, and that was very self aware. And so, shout out to shout out to an organization who can admit when another team's social content is good. Oh, the Red Stallions. Red Stallions. <laughs> yeah. They call the oh, Red yeah, Stallions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Uh, it is, so it guys, is interesting we, how many people think that the Colts logo is the Cowboys, though. Well, yeah, it, it is. It's simple, right? Same color st- scheme and same, um, you know, horseshoe. country type yeah. graphic. Yeah. I mean, the horseshoe is way more country than the star. Yeah, a star would never equate to a Cowboy. If you didn't know the NFL, you would think they were the stars or the Patriots, right? Yeah. We should probably do that with – just the other teams, you know, just here in Dallas, like pretty easy to do. Throw the logos up, just see what people think oh, in other sports. We, you were talking about kickoffs earlier and, and the rule change and all that. I want an NFL without kickoffs. I'm tired of it. And the, <laughs> and like the, the way you have to build a team to like have a guy that can do this is also something I, I, they need to have a rule change where we start the game without a kickoff. I don't know what that looks like. Well, then that's a slippery slope because if you're okay, what position are you talking about when you're saying you have to have a guy that you, that can do this? A, a kickoff specialist, as in the returner. No, a kicker. Okay, and all of which are more part of the football game than a long snapper. And in and in 2023, we still have to have a long snapper. Well, I want to keep the punting. I mean, in. come on now. I think so, punting should. Oh, you want to keep the punting in? Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, you take away kickoffs. It's a it's it's a slippery slope to like taking it all away to where it's just like there's no kicking involved, and then now we're all sitting there looking and going, "Why is this sport called football at all?" Here's what to me the most exciting play in football is, is the fourth, touchdown. It, right. <laughs> Tension wise is is a fourth and short. Okay. Start the start yeah. the game on a fourth and short. Whoever wins the toss, <laughs> they can punt. I like. They can run a play if they run a play and make the first down. They keep the, they keep possession, or they can punt, try and pin the guy deep. 
Look, the only the only reason I don't completely dismiss what you're saying, Kent, is because I, I, I get where you're coming from, but 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 like we're all we're all old enough to to remember the Devin Hester days and and you know all that stuff. And for me, that was that was a lot of fun. Now because of the change in the yardage and I understand player safety and all that stuff that goes into it, I get it. But I'm just saying like. My my initial thought is to cringe when you say that because I loved that whole part of you know I remember Randall Cobb what was it like first year for his, when he was a rookie right the 108 yard return like first game I think or something like that that's kind of how he that's how Victor Cruz broke in in the preseason like this, this these kind of things like you know I, I have a soft spot for all that but. Um, what about the Demar Hamlin not. game, the first game in Buffalo after Demar Hamlin? Oh situation. yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't it kickoff? Yeah, what to bring that up? <laughs> Why? Well, that's oh, what I'm no, saying. No. I understand the player safety thing now, no, but no, I'm no, just, no, 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 no. I, I know. I'm not. Ta- but, but player safety. I mean, that's a. I'm not talking about Demar Hamlin getting hurt. I'm saying about the first game after they came back. Yeah, that was like a huge moment in Buffalo. Oh, like they I thought you were talking about the play that he got hurt. I was no, like, and he didn't get hurt on a kickoff anyway. Right, right. My, my, my whole thing on all of it, though, is just this. Why does anything need to be fixed? Business is booming. How about yeah. you just keep doing yeah. what you're doing? Seems like everything's yeah. great right now. There's no reason to fix the chocolate chip cookie. It's great. Just keep rolling with it. Like, you don't need to get new fans and, oh, well, we, we got we to change for this. I get trying to make stuff safer and the, the safety of the players and stuff. And so if you want to take this out and take certain things out, I get that. If you're sitting there, you're meeting with doctors, you're meeting with experts of the game and you're trying to make it safer, that's fine. But to just change things like all of a sudden, like, Hey, let's just throw in that. You know what they can, instead of going for two, you can go for an additional seven, but you start at the 25. Like, I just don't think like this, they don't need to change anything. It is as long as, as they can get it right on the safety end, the product on the field is booming. I agree. Yeah. The, the one thing that I would disagree with that has gotten worse over the years, and it's for safety reasons, is the onside kick. The onside kick should be doable. It should be possible for you to get it. And the percentages have gone down to where it's not even yeah. interesting anymore. So that's where I will work with Kent. And without making it feel 2XL, uh, 2XFL-ish, I do kind of like the idea of the fourth and whatever play for possession of the ball you know, I, I kind of like that. And, I, and that's pretty extreme. And I'm with and you, There's going to be a ton like, of fans that are on the same page as you, but there's going to be a ton of fans on the side over here with me that say, well, I don't you like had it. all game to try and win that game. You don't need a gimmicky little like kick at the end to try and steal it like that. That is just, I, I'm fine yeah. if, if the inside kicks don't work, then just don't do them. You have the rest of the game to try and win that game. And if it means that, hey, it's not as super as exciting during the last minute of these games or you're trying to steal one, then hey, so be it. I'm telling you, the product is still going to be great. I mean, like yeah, you said, the onside kicks are already out of it now. And like, there's nothing about last season where I was just like, this NFL season would have been so much better if there were more onside kicks. It was like, no, no it was pretty awesome. Also, also like, oh, I, I, I also do think that the kickoff element of the game does bring a lot of strategy. Like, it does bring like different, different things at, at different parts of the game. Like, yeah, I think 90% of the time we're just watching these guys, you know, boom it out of the end zone. But there's pooch kicks, there's watermelon kicks, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on yeah. that, you know, I, I, I agree to a certain extent, but how many memorable plays occur on a kickoff a year in the NFL? Not that many anymore. Probably two. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah. 
No. <laughs> yeah, but they've That's also, what I'm saying. I'm know, a little biased. I'm a little biased. Like, I, because hey, again, this all boils down me trying to get Kai back here, you know? <laughs> I can't do kickoffs. That's the thing keeping him away. <laughs> I may be better than what we have now, probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sorry, Tristan. It, it's, uh, it is interesting, but. It just, it just felt in the past well, five years or so, it feels more ceremonial than anything, the opening kickoff. They've changed. You yeah. know what's okay though? If you if you think about it, just look forward to the crowd getting loud in the seconds after the touchback. The team runs down, they holler up, uh, holler at the the fans in the end zone, and the crowd starts making a little noise as the offense runs on the field. Just enjoy that aspect of it. The NFL has done a good job of eliminating the TV commercial, the touchdown commercial, kickoff commercial. Yeah, um, it took them a long time to get there, and I think it was like 2016 or 2017. They kind of inserted those rules to where unless you are up against it in terms of the spots you have to play in that quarter, they're not doing the touchdown commercial kickoff commercial bit, which is terrible. So they've done a great man. They've done a good job. Yeah. And I also like the other thing is that I think one, if it like, you know, Kent, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not a a lot, but also then when those moments do come, like, what was it last season or two seasons ago, the Falcons got like two onside kicks in a row or something like that. Um, at at the end of a game, it was was something crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a shocker. But so when it happens, it's really cool to Kent's to, to play, uh, like I, I would like to keep it, but it's a, to play Kent's side. I, I think the and the NFL wants to make every moment as captivating as possible. I think that's why the extra point went from the two yard line to to the back because once it became too automatic, they're like, "Oh, this is kind of boring." Like, you know, we don't want to do this. So, I don't think it'll ever change to where it's going to eliminate kickoffs. But I could see within the realm of kickoff something changing. But I don't I don't know what. And why do you need to reset recover an onside kick anyway? What you do is you just take the regular kickoff. And then, yeah, you only have one play left, but what you do is you put, let's say, your running back at center, and then you just have him snap it to your quarterback, and then he just gets smoked and the game's over. So <laughs> 90% of teams, like if, if the game starts out, whoever wins the toss gets it fourth and three at the 20, 90% of teams would just punt, which would be a kickoff, right? I just don't want to get to any level to where the previous three and a half quarters really don't matter because it just gets crazy wild west for the last five minutes i just don't yeah, want that and I, I like that everything i can matters see it going that way too and that's what so i'm saying it's a slippery slope if you all of a sudden allow that then all of a sudden it just gets down to where okay now the clock's stopping too on every first down and it's like college and it's just like yeah but these end of these games are so yeah that's great the end of the games are so exciting and guess what now happens nobody cares to watch the first three quarters because they don't matter because it's almost like the nba we're like now nah, just tune in late and I'll, I'll get what I need out of that. Like you, I, you need it so that all the entire game matters. And I think that's, what's great. Uh, one of the things that's great about the NFL. Yeah. Businesses. For sure. Let's I mean, do it's, it's even like in college football, there's, you know, especially living down here in big 12 country. And then, you know, obviously PAC 12 is known for this too, but like, you know, a team that scores three touchdowns in the first quarter is like, ah, it's not blaming. It's not over. This is, this, this isn't over. We're just getting started. Yeah, yeah. This game's going to end in the fifties. Like I don't also want it getting to that level either, you know? Yeah, and by the way, on a tangent but related to the topic, this is why I think Devin Hester should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I think yeah. he's a Hall of Famer because yeah, for sure because because he he like there, there there's there is an era and a time that he defines that's never going to be done again, and 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 not that it didn't happen before him. So I'm not saying he's the only one, but he's the last one. It's never happening again. 
I think he's close though. I mean, I feel like there's more and more, there's like a lot of more momentum with him that, yeah. So maybe he won't get in, uh, in the next, you know, couple of years or something, but he's eventually going to be in the hall of fame. I just feel like there's too many people pushing for him. People yeah. that, you know, really know football, you know, former players and things mm-hmm. like that. I, just, I think that's, that's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Let's close with 60 seconds on Deandre Hopkins released by the Cardinals. Doesn't feel like a great fit, although there has been rumors uh, before the Brandon Cooks thing. I guess it, it felt like it might be something you would consider. But now with Brandon Cooks here, it seems like something they probably wouldn't go down that route. But uh, it is interesting. that He's just kind of sitting there available. Obviously, he's not what he once was, but this really reeks of a guy who's going to end up playing for the Chiefs to me. Yeah, if you sm- if, yeah, that to me is the best fit. If If I'm DeAndre Hopkins, that's absolutely what I do. But then again... I don't know what kind of money they're offering. And that's why I think the Cowboys would be out because I don't think the Cowboys are going to offer very much money. Um, but yeah, Chiefs makes a lot of sense. Bills, obviously, too. Yeah, I get I get all that. I mean, if I'm a wide receiver, especially one that's played in the league for a while, I'm trying to get paired up at the back end of my career with a really good quarterback, help make my job easier. But um, what I was going to say on that, so on a recent radio interview, I was asked about, do you think the Cowboys have buyer's remorse by making the trade for Cooks if they knew that this could have been a possibility. And so my thought on that was just, there's no way you could do that because where they were at at wide receiver when the season ended, there's no way that they could have waited until after free agency, after the draft, and then now to then, you know, get a DeAndre Hopkins. Like it was such a need that it had to be addressed by March. And and also, even if it wasn't, I think you, I think you'd have to address it pretty early in the draft. Um, so I don't think there should be any buyer's remorse there. Um, but if they didn't get Brandon cooks and let's say, you know, Deandre Hopkins was released at that time. Yeah. I mean, by all means, I mean, Deandre Hopkins, when he's at his best, he plays that position as about as well as anybody has ever played it. So I get wanting him. I just don't see at this point why the Cowboys would do that. Um, I, the, a key piece in this year is, is that, you know, talking to Michael Gallup and, and the coaching staff, you know, they feel really good about him having a bounce back year after he was coming off the ACL last year. Uh, and, and he feels a lot better, feels a lot closer to what he was before the injury. If they didn't have a lot of trust that Gallup will be closer to what he was before, and then they didn't trade for Brandon Cooks, it becomes a bigger uh, issue. But I think because they feel good about those two, that's why they probably won't go the Hop- Hopkins route. And also, I just think he's going he's gonna to want too much money. And I do think the Cowboys need to keep – a little bit of money available uh, under the cap to possibly, like I said, go after a running back. I mean, I, I mean, you might not love this wide receiver core, but I can tell you this right now, you're not going to love this offensive line if they don't find any answers at left guard. So I want to, I want some wiggle room there. Cause I just think those are bigger issues right now than wide receiver. Yeah. And also, I mean, on the buyers remorse thing, I mean, they gave him a fifth and a sixth for Brandon cooks. Like, I mean, like, you know, it's not, it's not like they, it's not like Houston they gave up some a- of the salary. Yeah, it's not like they paid like a first round pick and and now Hopkins could have been had for free. I mean, they kind of got Cooks for free and you know, kind of like, you know, in 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 some sense. So, I don't really I don't really think there would be buyers remorse if I was the Cowboys for all those reasons as well. And the numbers on Hopkins are going to be interesting, you know, whatever he ends up yeah. getting from someone yeah. else. I just I just don't think that he's willing to take as little as the Cowboys would be willing to offer. And and not only and when I say little, I don't mean just like on a uh a yearly salary. I mean, I'm like the number of years I could see the Cowboys just wanting to do like a one year deal and at where he's at in his career. I think he's 30 going to be 31. I think he's going to want more than a year. 
So I don't know. Maybe the Chiefs aren't willing to pay a lot either. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I just don't think the Cowboys, nothing about the way the Cowboys operates makes me think that they're going to be willing to get in some big yeah. war. Absolutely. Well, guys, good to be back. Um, Saad, thank you for your coverage on the Stars all year long. John still gets some uh, pieces up, including 10 players to to look forward to uh, for the Cowboys this summer, right? That's uh, let, me, let, me kind of frame, let me frame your article correctly uh, no, while I'm here. Enough. 10 Cowboys players who must play well in 2023. Um, some good Cowboys content there from John. His OTA recap piece is really good as well. Check that out. Also, just uh, you know, keep it on the athletic for all the cool stuff that we're doing here, as we always do. For our producer, Kent Garrison, for Saad Youssef, for Father John Mashoda, I am Kevin Turner, and we will see you next time on About Them Cowboys. Told him I got a birthday coming up here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to have a bad time. <laughs> it ain't on my schedule. <laughs>